This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so a more, I think at least, likely conversation, a more likely fit, I think would be Fred Van Vliet if the Rockets don't end up with James Harden and I think you and I have both already discussed not really being that big of a fan of giving Fred Van Vliet the max which it seems like he's gonna sort of want or expect and probably even get from somewhere but another news item looked like earlier on Monday was that Fred Van Vliet was gonna opt out of his contract I think it was 22.8 million or something like that and and be a free agent. We expected this. This is a, a name that's been out there. So I figured we'd bring it back to the table and I put it like this. I'm going to I'm going to answer my own question and just say no, but I could see it. This is my answer. No, but I could see it. And the question is is Fred Van Vliet worth the overpay if you can't get James Harden if the situation with Kyrie Irving is the way we describe it, and it makes more sense for him to go back to Dallas, and that's not something that the Rockets can do. Is Fred Van Vliet someone that it makes sense to overpay to kind of raise your floor a little bit, and, and, and given that you need probably need somebody at that point guard position? To me, yeah, just because you got to sign somebody. And it, it's important to note also an overpay this summer will not feel like an overpay a couple of summers from now. Because once the cap really starts to go up, once you get the new media rights deal, the cap starts to go up exponentially. Not exponentially, but it'll go up a significant amount. And so now all of a sudden the contracts that that were signed this summer, now all of a sudden the max is, you know, going to wind up being 70 million a year or something like that. Or, you know, they we're not far off from having a hundred million a year type players. So I think what is it four years, 180? I think that's kind of the max is, is kind of in that range for, for somebody with uh, with the number of years that uh, that Fred Van Vliet has. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's a significant amount of money, but it might not, it's not going to look that bad assuming that he stays at the same level that he's been at uh, in a couple of years. Now, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet, the player. Um, he's little, he's only six one. Um, he's kind of a, a low efficiency type guard. Um, you know, he, you look at just the field goal percentages over his entire NBA career, 35%, 42.6, 41%, 41.3, 38.9, 40.3, 39.3. It's not exactly what you're looking for. Um, not a great athlete. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's a 37% shooter, uh, from three, um, you know, good assist to turnover numbers. You'll take that. You know, this past season he was what seven point seven assists, two turnovers a game. Like on this type of a team, you'll take that. So again, this is this is the hard part of free agency. 
because a lot of times you are forced to overpay for guys. That's just what free agency is. You are paying guys for what they have done in the past. It's not for what they're going to do in the future. You draft guys for what they're going to do in the future. You sign guys to rookie extensions for what they're going to do in the future. But when it comes to like free agents to veteran free agents, you are paying them for what they've done in the past. So the the money is high. The money is clearly a lot. It would be more than he probably is worth on, you know, just to, as a player, but you got to pay these guys. And that's kind of the danger of having all this cap space is that you got to wind up using it on somebody. And you look on down the list. Harden is probably number one free agency. Um, Kyrie Irving is probably number two on most lists. And then number three is probably Fred Van Vliet. That's just the market that you're in and you have to take advantage of it at some point. Now you can always roll that cap space over. I mean, you can do that. That's an option for you. But it's going to be it's going to make it harder for you to win games this next season. And as we've talked about, they need to start winning games this season because I don't know if the GM can survive it if they don't. Fred Van Vliet is a good player, and I think to a far lesser extent than Kyrie Irving and certainly James Harden, I think he does raise your floor as a team. He's young. He's younger. He's twenty nine. Yeah, and so. I wouldn't be like categorically opposed to it, but I'll say this. I'd be more in favor of the Rockets just draft it, it. Like if it comes down to it and you can't get James Harden and Kyrie Irving's not realistic, like we talked about, I'd be far more in favor of the Rockets just drafting Amon Thompson and using that money, not necessarily maybe rolling it all over, but maybe spreading that money around on more free agents if that's an option. I know that's that's me kind of with it utopia view of it uh utopian view of it like hey they're just going to be able to spread the money around and get all these different guys i don't know that that's actually realistic either but if i'm just trying to map it out in my head without knowing exactly what the situations are i'd much rather see the rockets draft i'm in thompson i like his floor a lot more as a player and, and in that position feeling that role of course he'd be a rookie and somebody that hasn't been challenged a lot playing an overtime elite the way Fred Van Bleet has as an NBA champion. So I'm not comparing them in that way, but I think the floor is a lot higher. I'd much rather see them invest in that. And it's not to say that they couldn't do both, like sign Fred Van Bleet and draft Diamond Thompson. But now you've got a log jam at guard, Kevin Porter Jr. still on the team. So I'd much rather see them go that route, the higher ceiling route than the higher floor route and see what you could do in the Brooke Lopez, you know, I don't know the the Brooke Lopez, Austin, uh, Austin Reeves, and Max Drews type of market, you know, and, and see what else you could get there, um, as, as opposed to giving all of that money to Fred Van Vliet because it's not just the money, but it's also a, a, a strategic point that I would make about okay, if you give Fred Van Vliet all of that money, are you? Um, you know, are you invested in him as your as your point guard for however many years? You know, I'd much rather do that with a younger player with a higher ceiling. So that's my only that would be my main objection to Fred Van Vliet. Less so of of him not being efficient enough of a player, just being like not high of a ceiling enough of a player, high, a higher floor player, but not high of enough of a ceiling player for the Rockets. OK, so that's what you would do. Now, I want to put you in the shoes of Rafael Stone All right. and and you are Rafael Stone. You have won 20 games two years ago. You won 22 games last year. You might not get another year. 
So let's say that you feel like you have some pressure to actually win games this year. And if you don't show, if you're, if the team that you put on the floor doesn't show significant improvement, you're not going to have the job a year from now. So what do you do in, in that sense? Does that change? Cause, because I think, I think this is the hard part about rebuilds is that you have now a GM who might not be feel secure in his job. And now all of a sudden, like what you, the, the vision that you laid out is not a bad vision. It, it, it really, to a point that if I were in charge and if I had plenty of job security, that's what I would probably do. I would probably just look ahead to the future. I don't care about the pick that's owed to Oklahoma city. That'll work out the way that it works out. I am trying to do what's best for the future of the organization. But if I feel like, Hey, I might not be here in a year, then I might speed up the timeline myself. And now all of a sudden I'm doing things that are thinking more short term than long term. And so if you are in that sort of a position and you're the GM and I'm asking you, if you're the GM and maybe you don't feel as secure in your job as you did this time last year, does it, does that alter your thinking of how you are, how you are going about your business this summer? Yeah, a hundred percent. It does. Like I, I'm speaking from a different vantage point than Raphael Stone. I got to acknowledge that like my job is not on the line. My credibility is not on the line. My future is not on the line based off of these things. It is we're I am merely coming from it from a standpoint of someone who wants what's best for the Rockets and is following the Rockets. So like, yeah, it's it's important to to point out that my perspective and approach is, would be different from somebody who whose tail is on the line like Raphael Stone. I think that's important to point out. But I would say to the question that. I would wonder, and I'm interested in what you think about this too, Adam, like, like how much, how far am I going with, with Fred Van Vliet being, Fred Van Vliet being my marquee signing of the, of the off season. You know, I, I do think it is a floor raiser, but to what extent exactly? Cause, cause we're having a different conversation now than we would be having if it was James Harden, if it was Kyrie Irving for that matter. Okay. So if it's Fred Van Vliet, we're better, but how much better exactly if I don't get that progression and that next step from the guys that I've already drafted, namely Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and, you know, even Alperin Shingoon and, and, and the payoff on hiring M.A. Udoka and the culture change and all the things that we talked about earlier. Like, I need all of those things to come together. I'm, I'm much more reliant on those things coming together if Fred Van Vliet is the main guy that I'm going to go get. I, th I think that those things matter a lot more now, you know, as opposed to just, hey, my job being dependent on a guy that I just signed. You know, like you could say that about a James Harden or a Kyrie Irving signing like Fred Van Vliet. I would have a tough time if I'm Raphael Stone to your question. I would have a tough time thinking that my job depends on the Fred Van Vliet signing and what happens there with the Rockets, you know, like I would, I would think that at that point now, you know, I don't know. Now, now we're just having a, a far different conversation to me, you know? So I, I guess that's where I'm at. Would I still probably do it in, in, in the name of self-preservation? Yeah. You know, it's something that I certainly have to think about and can't just be as dis dismissive of as I've been here as I've talked to you, but, but man, that's, I mean, that's not, that doesn't feel like it. I mean, imagine that if you're Raphael Stone and you're looking at it, you know, you and I did a podcast not too long ago where I said, hey, 
it is realistic that the Rockets could get the number one overall pick, sign James Harden, and trade for a superstar all in one fell swoop in an offseason. And then you go from that to, hey, the way that I'm going to fix this thing is by figuring out what to do with the number four overall pick in a three-man draft that's kind of a one-man draft but somewhat of a three-man draft and signing Fred Van Vliet as my marquee free agent signing. And that's what I'm banking my job on. I wouldn't feel great about that either, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, and then you could, if you want to even go back further, the trade that I made for James Harden, it's basically netted me Tari Eason and, you know, indirectly a couple of other things, you know, including whoever they wind up picking at 20 if they make that pick. That's not a great haul for, you know, a star in his prime. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of times, man, Probably the most important thing. Yeah, the the thing you just mentioned, that's probably the most important point, actually, because that's probably the most significant move that he's made and is his most significant moment as GM so far. Yeah, so it's – these jobs are – I guess the one thing that that you take away from this is these jobs are hard and you have to get lucky. And in a sense, the Rockets have gotten a little bit of luck over the last couple of years by staying in the top four, but they haven't gotten quite as lucky as I think that they would have hoped. And so – that's that's what makes these jobs hard um you would like and i i wonder if tillman for you know if it if i were tillman for tita right now i would make sure i i would give rafael stone some sort of an extension so that he feels secure in his job so that he is making the right decisions for the team moving forward and not just thinking about the 2023 2024 season as oh no if we don't win i'm gonna get fired I don't like the idea of having a GM who feels like I have to win now. Otherwise I'm going to lose my job. And then you just start making moves with the first, with the one year of mine, because the one thing anybody can build a good team for one year, anybody, you go any sport, any team can push in all the chips for one year and build a good team. It's, but it's a whole other thing to build something that's sustainable. So Rafael Stone could go and build a – it could very easily go build a team that could win 44 games next year, but it probably gets capped at 44 wins. It's a whole other thing to build something that's going to be a sustainable winning basketball team for a long time, which should be the ultimate goal. But if you're a GM who doesn't feel like you have a whole lot of job security, then you know maybe you feel like that you have to do the one-year thing and screw screw the three years that come after it. That's interesting, man. I was about to wrap this thing up, but you you threw that curveball there at the end about Raphael Stone because, like, I, I'm actually with you in, in your logic and train of thought there, but my pushback and my question to you would be, do you think that Raphael Stone, based off of performance so far, has has sort of earned that? Like, would that be something no. that would be that would be more of a you know, self-preservation on, on Tillman Fertitta's part, on the Fertitta family's part of saying, hey, we just want to make sure that this guy isn't, you know, out, you know, in it for himself and he has the security to kind of look out for the organization as opposed to saying we actually believe that this guy's the right one to trust with the organization's future over the next however many years the extension would be. I don't think that he's done enough to, like, deserve some sort of extension or, or vote of confidence, but – I don't think that that should matter. You know, I, I think this is kind of what's a little weird about these jobs. And mm-hmm. I, I guess if you were to give Rafael Stone, let's say you give him a contract extension, whatever, it, you tack on a year. 
it doesn't mean that you can't fire him after that. You just got to pay him off. It just costs you a little bit more. And let's be honest, Tillman got plenty of money. Tillman's not going to go broke anytime soon. And if Tillman has to pay Rafael Stone an, ex, an extra year to not work for him, then so be it. He just, what, bid $5.5 billion on the commanders? He got he got he got a little extra money lying around. So yeah, if, if he can if he can survive the economies that he survived, then he yeah. can certainly survive having to ditch Rafael Stone if it came down to it. Certainly. So I would I don't like the and and I I don't I'm not entirely sure of Rafael Stone's contract situation. Anyways, I've heard different things on it, but I, I want my GM feeling especially in a summer like this. I want the GM feeling secure in his job, even if he maybe isn't secure in the job. Maybe that's, you know, as the owner, that's something that you can tell yourself that, hey, this guy's not as secure as maybe he thinks he is. But I want to make sure that he feels secure in the job because that's how I know he's going to make the right decisions or the best decisions for our team moving forward.